0: everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Michael Branvold, and as always, I'm joined by Jay Gilbert. How you doing, Jay? Great, Michael. So, um, before we get into this week's very fun episode, um, as always, lots of love and thank yous and gratitudes to uh, HypeBot, Bruce, everybody at HypeBot for everything you do to support the show and promote the show. And of course, bands in town. Everything you do to to support us as well, it is Appreciate greatly it. appreciated. Um, so, Jay, we got a special guest this week.
1: Yeah, we do. We have Andrea Young. She's the partner and chief playlisting officer from DPG, which stands for Digital Promotions Group, and they do it all. You know, they're part label, label services, marketing, promotion. And uh, you know Andrea has been around a while, and she has some really good insights on this new music business
0: and And we really focus on the playlisting part of the service. How does that yeah. work? How do they do it um and and actually, at the end, by the end of the the episode, lots of great takeaway tips. if you're an artist who is considering hiring a playlist promoter, um, some good advice that you should yeah. pay attention to here so. Let it roll.
1: Today we have partner and chief playlisting officer from Digital Promotions Group, formerly Coral Young. Um, it's part label, part label services, part marketing, part promotion. It's uh, a <laughs> it's a lot of things. It's Andrea. a lot of parts. Am I pronouncing that right? Is it Andrea or?
2: It's Andrea. Andrea. But I Andrea. Do anything, but it's Andrea.
1: All right, Andrea Young, uh, welcome yeah. and thanks for yeah. joining us.
2: Hi guys, happy hey. to be here.
0: Great. Thank you for joining us.
2: Yeah, yeah, so, yeah.
1: So you come from a background of publicity, right?
2: Marketing, advertising, publicity, yes.
1: So tell us a little bit about your journey. How did, what how did you get through all of those different disciplines?
2: So I did work for um, a label distributor many, long time ago. And I also uh, helped computerize the retail music business when there was such a thing, right? I've been around a while. Um, I started when I was a baby. And, um, and so I, I did that. And then I also ran a public radio station. So everything is sort of driven by my love of curation and, 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 uh, and whatever format to deliver music. And the way I got here is that I've had a radio show on Aspen Public Radio for many, many years where I introduced a lot of new artists and those artists started to ask me to help them. And, you know, what can I do? How can I get my music out there? You like my music. Will somebody else like my music kind of thing? And from there, I, I started my company to help artists deliver their music and understand what could help them. And um, I partnered with um, Nadine Jeleneau, Did you guys know Nadine? No. Okay. So she ran an indie marketing company called Musebox. And Eric and I partnered with her. It was sort of a tragic story where she she, uh, passed away from cancer. And Eric and I really, Eric Coral and I, really just started to take over the things that she had built and expand on what I had started um, at Aspen Beat, which is my radio show. So that was three years ago. And my passion is, again, curation. That's my passion, my personal passion. So I really was paying attention to that space. And I just loved this idea of it being a bit more democratic on how artists could possibly make revenue off their streams or make revenue off off, uh, getting their music heard worldwide, um, maybe without even touring or doing other things, which I know are very important. But I just love this idea. And um that's how i got into this it's been about three years we worked with about 150 artists it's this messy vibrant space right now right you guys know it oh
0: yeah i mean you know the 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 stream not not just the whole music industry itself but the streaming chunk of it changes literally daily i mean it's no joke we can all wake up every day and there's a new a new player is coming out. A new feature has been announced. A new merger is happening. Um, you know, new. Yeah, we like
1: to joke that it's changed while we've been on this call.
0: You know, we you know we all kind of laughed because I mean we're all in this space, but it's sort of like yeah, anybody who claims they've been doing this stuff, playlist streaming for a decade, it hasn't even been around a decade, people. You know, it, oh, yeah. it, it, oh. it's such an infant part of the business right now. But, su- you know, it's grown to be such a critical part and such a fast-changing part. Right? Yeah, and
2: it's so misunderstood too, right? I mean, there's so many different parts of it. And nobody, I agree with you. It's really messy. Nobody knows what's going on, really. And we I'm the last person to say I know what's going on. I'm trying to be in the flow of what's going on to understand, so I can pass it along to people that I work with, artists and their teams that we work with, to help them understand. And I'm—I mean, I'm—it's a lot of education. It it's well, like right. it's that, that's, too, what, that's what right? Jay, and,
0: Jay and I have said over and over: is if nothing else, educate yourself to what's going on. Here. Right. You know, right. before you cry that you're making only pennies off of your streaming, maybe go read your contract with your label or whoever's in control of your copyrights and see what that says because as we all know there's plenty of money that's coming out of streaming services is it trickling all the way down to the artist and what's in in between there is that that's the education that's got to happen
2: i totally agree and both on the label side and also for artists who decide to do it themselves You know, there's so many places to pay attention to, right? So a label might have all of that set because they have machines of, they have systems and structures in place. But an independent artist, may not have a personal relationship with uh, DSPs or may not know tour managers or whatever they need to help their artists. So artists, those independent artists and there's, their teams, that's part of what I love is that is just trying to help them as well, help them uh, to understand what so, they need so to do. So
0: did yeah. you build your your playlist? Because w- we're just going to focus on the playlisting streaming part of your business. Perfect. Um, did you build that up from scratch then?
2: I did. So pretty much what we did, um, and again, it's about three years ago, 2000, I think October 2016, is we just started to do some research to figure out, um, we, we knew we couldn't get to Spotify and ask them to to uh, feature our artists unless we had personal relationships with Spotify. And that doesn't go very far, right? You can't help thousands of artists with just a personal relationship with someone. So we were looking for ways to get artists music heard to to help them get their streams up to help them and, and in, in fact that's how we started we were all about oh no you got to get your screen streams up well we all know that that's not really what it's about anymore right it's more about fan engagement it's more mm-hmm. about getting you know it, but but if you're not doing anything and i heard your um podcast with mike warner the other day forty thousand tracks a day being released on the platforms, that's right if you're not doing anything, then to to help get the word out, then you're 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 probably not going to have a chance of getting any your music heard. So we started out looking for ways to get streams up, and um, we we um, we reach out to the independent playlister community because. Because we don't really, the, the, the DSPs all tell you, you know, there's, hey, no, there's not a chance that you can all, you know, contact us and get your music. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll,
0: they'll basically, <laughs> listen, they'll just say, go to your Spotify for artist page and submit fill your, out tra- fill, fill out the submission form, which people, that is a legit form, that's a legit submission so d- don't exactly. don't don't take that as a brush off that just throw go automatically goes into a garbage somewhere that is legitimate and you should be doing that
2: that's oh right. i think yes 100% thank you for saying that that's not to delegitimize that that's that's that but how many artists get on those editorial playlists that they're craving that are the brass ring right, right. out of 40,000 tracks a day how many get on those editorial playlists yeah, maybe never many. Right. Maybe it'll be more and more. So we've been looking for other ways to help artists understand what they can be doing actually to increase fan engagement now, which right. leads to the algorithms paying more attention, right? Which degree that the algorithms pay more attention? I the think there are
1: ways that on? you can optimize um, your um online presence to make uh the most out of algorithms and it's not rocket science i mean there are certain obvious things um that you can do and things that you should avoid doing i think that it's and correct me if i'm wrong i i think what you're describing that you've built it reminds me a little bit of what uh Jay frank um rest his soul what yeah. um, what he built, and he was probably the first in the space, you know, with Dixon, and you know, to understand that, especially back then, because this is, you know, quite a long time ago in the streaming world, where he couldn't get the attention that he wanted with the DSPs, uh, particularly Spotify, so he built a network of user curators, and that network got large because he was one of the first in the space, and back then. Some of these uh, user-curated playlists had better real estate on the DSPs, and he could actually affect change because no matter what the genre was, he had curators that he could send the music to, and if they liked it, they would add it. It would be in those top spots. It would generate those spins, which comes full circle around to what you were talking about if these user curator playlists are generating spins, then that algorithm kind of sees that and then it might be tested in other playlists. Is that kind of what you're doing is building a a network of user curators by genre, by mood, by whatever that you can service your clients to?
2: Yeah, that's a big part of what I do. Absolutely. I think that's a great uh, description of what we do. you know we call it salting the pot. Do you know? It's like, yeah. and just depending on where you are because every artist is different, right? No two campaigns are the same. Right. And, um, do you have anything going on as an artist? Are you touring? You know, it's all those things that you talk about in your uh, playlisting is not a marketing plan. Totally on board with that. Um do you well, have and, you know and, from- and, and, and <laughs> it, it
0: even goes back to, the very basic, which comes out of the world, the publicity world. When you sat down with a publicist, what's your story? What's, yeah, your, what's your story? What's your story? I got a new track. That's not a story. Sorry to tell you, having a new track is not the story. What's the story of the track? Why yeah. is that playlister going? Because even these third-party playlisters are getting slammed with submissions. So how do you? How do you? Feel Get yourself above the noise of everybody else. And I think we all know from experience, it's what, what connects to that playlister. What's the story that makes them go, oh, wow. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, I've got to listen to this after hearing what they went through to do this. You know, something that tugs at the heartstrings is going to get the attention over something that is just, here you go, Listen
1: yeah you've got to have that narrative and and, you know spotify even requires that now in a submission form early on it wasn't a part of it but now you have to like what is the narrative why should anybody care and you know we we bring up this example all the time um cheap tricks first album you know you pull that sleeve out and there's one side of that inner sleeve is a story about cheap trick and most of it is not true. It's just their shot, and this was in 1977, right? It was their shot at creating a narrative, and guess what? It worked because Hip Parade, Cream, you know, all these uh, trouser press, all these different publications picked that up and grabbed interviews with them, and then they could kind of laugh it off and, you know, build from it. But there's always something compelling about that narrative, and and Andrea, do do you find that? When you're working with clients that that's one of the first things that you sit down with them and, and try to pull out of them is like, what's, what's special about this?
2: What is that narrative?" Oh, t- totally. I think that's part of our job is to help them to understand what, what parts, what the narrative should be about. Um, and, and really it's about their cred, right? Because our job or the job of, of the, disc- of the submission and Spotify for artists, for example, that you're talking about that direct submission, that job is to get somebody to click on that link and listen to that track. Right. That, yep. That's what you're looking to do. You need to get somebody to click and listen. What happens after that? That's not, in our control that's the music right that's the music and where it fits in the marketplace and what the curator is looking for and and all that kind of stuff but you, you you've got to find a way to give them something as you're both saying and yes i think that's really one of the most important parts besides everything else that is all about the best practices of of do you have your bio? Do you have your social links? Do you have your photos? You know, I'm a you know, I said in the beginning, curation is is really what I love. And so there's nothing more frustrating for me as a fan than to find an artist, find a track, and then not be able to find out anything about the artist. Not be able to find it on Spotify, not be able to find out where the artist is, because that's my journey is is wanting more from that artist. So we yes so, yes, all of that, and very
1: important. So do you work with um, music blogs?
2: Yes, we do.
1: Because we do. I I think it's one of the underserved, and people don't talk about it too much because it's, it requires a little bit of work, but uh, I found that not only do I firmly believe that they're tastemakers and that the digital service providers are watching what they're doing um, because mm-hmm. I've seen things happen that could only happen that way. But yeah, it takes a little bit more work. You can't just shotgun, um, you know, a spray and pray kind of uh, campaign out to these folks. It has to be more of a personal um, connection there, right? So what's, how do you approach uh, music blogs?
2: So we have a publicist on staff who separately approaches the music blogs. Although I've been saying for years that I really hope that the, the whole ecosystem comes together, blogs and playlists, because I think they should blogs should have playlists. Well playlists I was Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> they, they, they
0: really are because that's that's what people don't realize. Your favorite blog might have a playlist. They just may not have their act together in promoting that playlist. But right they probably have a playlist or the writer has a personal playlist but it's mm-hmm. it it's definitely starting to merge into a, a, a i don't I don't want to say murky but it's all right is it a playlist is it a blog well it's
2: both that's yeah. right. I agree with that. Um, so we go out to them separately now, because as you stated, there's there's a whole publicity and press relationships are much more mature than playlisting relationships, right? Like I'll sometimes have an artist team come to me and say, well, you know, we're having a, 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 a showcase uh, in Nashville. So, would you invite all the playlisters? And Nashville, Nashville might not be a a, a great example, but would you invite all the playlisters in Nashville to that showcase? Well, playlisters aren't as geographically located, right? So, whereas you have press that's geographically located, playlisters are sort of worldwide. They don't always tell us where they're from. So, so it's 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 different. Uh, yeah avenues of reaching out but i think it's really important especially right now i've seen i've seen it become more important i think recently i I think
0: artists also need to realize that that a lot of the playlists third-party playlists that we're talking about here not not Mm -hmm. the dsp curated ones third-party playlisters maybe never started this with any intention of anything. It's not like they sat down and said, I'm going to write a blog and I'm going to start reviewing music and I'm going to start reviewing shows. They just were pulling together their fun songs that they liked. Their friends jumped on board. It started rolling. And it's never become, quote, a business for the playlister. It's just something they do. So you have to respect the fact that when you're reaching out to that third-party playlister... It might just be some average person who, you know, yeah, I'll get to it. It's not my my gig running a playlist. I'll get to it in the next two weeks because that's
2: all the time I commit to it. I think that's really true. I mean, within the third-party user playlister universe, I mean, you've got brands who have playlists. Those are considered third-party playlists, right? Those aren't Spotify company playlists. Um, And you've got... Uh, professional playlisters they may do this for a or try to do this as a living right this is what they do they put out every month they put out a playlist and they put it out all over the platforms and they have uh, uh, shows and showcases of the artists that they love but a majority of the playlists that we go out to are small these independent playlisters and their playlists and they're messy as you just noted they they it might not be a business for them I mean how are playlisters making a living are they you know well, the yeah, I mean, that?
0: well, you know, that brings up an interesting sidebar, which I think is worth making sure everyone understands. Oh. If, if, you know, if that playlister is saying, give me 50 bucks to get on don't. my playlist, don't do that because... Never. Never. Ne- you know, first of all, the playlist itself could be gone tomorrow when Spotify finds out somebody's charging, but you as an artist who paid could also have your account completely suspended. Yeah. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen for
2: so few streams that were purchased like that. Um, I I know it's hard because we, uh, you know, I think as an artist, every artist thinks that they're releasing great music and the world should listen to it, right? And I get it. I totally get it. And that everyone should love it. And I get that too. So I think it's very frustrating for artists to see how long it can take. And I'd love to hear what you say about that as far as developing you're following on the streaming platforms and yeah. touring and whatever it's not you know so we offer campaigns um and they might be short campaigns but that's really just to help artists get started it's really a long tail effort i
1: it is it's <laughs> a, it's it's artist development and and look i get it you want your music out you want it out now you want as many ears to hear it as possible and that's that's all legit um i think the part that i have to remind folks pretty much every week with clients is the artists, managers, labels, distribution companies, whoever it is, they'll come in and say here's what we need. We need we need to be on these playlists. And that's where I say time out and that's where the a playlist is not a marketing plan comes in. It's like do first of all are you planning in advance? You know, are you just dropping music in the marketplace and hoping, you know, that something good happens? Um, Yeah, playlists are interesting, and they're good, and we all want our artists to be featured in them, but, you know, at our panel at Music Biz, you know, we had, you know, the head of Warner Brothers Records talking about how few of his spins were actually coming from curated playlists. Yeah, that was interesting. it's, It's really good, and then it's also... You know, you have to look at like, what position are you in in that playlist? I, w- I was looking at this artist yesterday, and they had done a couple of things that all I think the three of us would advise them not to do. One is buying followers and buying uh, spins. And first of all, anybody that's legit in the touring world, sync world, label world. They'll be able to look at the data and see these aren't these aren't real. You know, you went in from this minutes. to this, and you, you can see that you have this many followers, but very few listeners and and all of that stuff. But it was interesting looking at all of these smaller playlists that they got on, and some of them, even in the title, hinted at this is how you pay to get into this playlist. Um, do you find when you're dealing with clients that they they want to run before they walk? They don't want to do the hard work to put together an actual plan and and execute that plan? They just want these playlists and they want them they just now?
0: want the results thirty days from now.
2: Absolutely. In fact, it's really tough to keep that at a minimum because it as you just said, it muddies the waters for us. So we don't know if the market's really responding or not you know, we're, we're out there to see what the market is going to say about a track and some tracks, the market really responds positively authentically. Right. And that's, that can sometimes happen immediately, but for most tracks, it's just this long tail effort of releasing a track, one track after another, possibly to get more exposure for the band while they're touring and building their fan base. base. So uh, it's really tough to convince artists not to go that, what they see as a route to make themselves look really good, because the venues yeah. and everyone are telling them that's what's most important. Well, I'm looking at your streams; you don't have any, <laughs> school, right.
1: right? Right.
2: So they don't want to spend years developing; they want it, as you said, in 30 days. Give right. me the. Right. And I
1: hear these managers right. that equate streaming with radio, so they think that well, with radio, I hire a radio promotion firm and i can put enough money depending on the format and i can i can drive change with money and you really can't do that you know on the streaming side it's 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 a lot more dangerous but it's also so much easier to find out what's real and what's not
2: but what about what spotify also announced i think in the past couple of days about the the targeted Uh, Oh, that
0: that was very interesting, especially when it was revealed. So what we're discussing here is I think maybe a month ago it came out that Spotify was going to allow targeted advertising within the streams. And initially it was going to be available to labels, majors and stuff like that. Thanks. And and what just came out in the past few days, and I'm sure if you just hit HypeBot, you can do a search. Yeah, it's on HypeBot. This, I'm looking at um, it. Was the cost of what that was going to be. And and the the headline I remember was, the cost makes this pretty much prohibitive to anybody. Yes,
1: yeah, if indie labels can't afford to use it.
0: If an indie label can't afford to use it, an independent artist sure isn't going to be able to afford to use it. And I think the example they sh- they mentioned was, Spotify is recommending a budget of $5,000. Right.
1: right.
0: And then see, they. No, I'm, go, go ahead, Michael. I was going to say, and then they equated with roughly how many streams you should be getting out of that. And the math was calculated. It's like, all right, you're paying $5,000 for this X amount of streams, and you're only going to make nine bucks in the end out of this.
1: Yeah. So See, I have a different. I have a different opinion, and I, I respect that. But I had this conversation with an artist manager yesterday, and I actually like this program, and for a couple of reasons. One is that if you do believe in your track and you have the funds to do this, it, you, they. They have to play the whole song, which is great, number one. Number two, they know it's a sponsored song. Number three, they're not going to put an EDM song in front of a country playlist. It's all going to have to fit. It makes sense. And they're not the first to do this. Deezer had tested this you know, a couple years ago. Okay. Um, so I think that we're going to get to a place where these sponsored songs you know, and again, this is mostly on the free version. It will be on the paid version, but you can turn it off on the paid version. But I think they have what is it, 120, 130 million people on the free version. That it's kind of like the marquee uh, uh, ad that you place at Spotify. Um, you'll be able to pay and have these things placed and reach an audience. And yeah, it's it is expensive, and I wish it wasn't. But if it wasn't as expensive. Everybody on the planet would do it and there wouldn't be any room. I mean, I think they have to kind of set a stake in the ground um, at serious players who have the funding to get behind it to do it. I mean, I would love to have some of my indie artists who don't have a lot of money in that program. And. I think there's two things that have to happen here one is i i love this program and i i think that it could really help to bring great music to people's ears it's kind of like if you watch the now that's what i call music uh, cds um they always have a place on there called what's next which is like four or five six tracks of developing artists so you're on there with drake and the Chainsmokers and Katy perry and whoever but then there's that that other section down there. Now, of course, I believe that's an editorial decision. I would rather that the Spotify thing be an editorial decision, and, and I don't like the idea of necessarily right. getting into paying for all of this stuff, but I, I like having a tool that I can use to get something that I really believe in in front of people.
0: Well, I, you know, and I, I, I want to add real quick I do think what they've launched here. Is very cool. But as we started this whole show off with, it it's just launched. It is just launched. The you yeah, know it's it it, it, it you know, right. um, go right. try and remember back to when Facebook first launched targeted advertising. Right, right. You know, it's evolved right. in the Facebook world so much since then. Continuous and I to. and I I can pretty right. much guarantee you the Spotify platform is going to evolve the same way the fact that they are giving you that they acknowledge that an opportunity needs to be made to get allow you to get in front of a targeted audience is really important now how that's going to evolve we just know it will we don't know how but you know you can pretty much bet that if they do this and they prove that revenue can be made from this that the other DSPs are going to jump on board and start doing the same thing. And, you know, at the end of the day, as a marketing person, I think that's great. I know my toolbox has the potential to target people all over if the budget is there.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we have two artists right now who are sort of playing with this idea of um, advertising to get – people who might be interested in listening to their music on the social media platforms and they'll probably work, do the Spotify thing as well. And Spiri, it, as you said, it's it's all new and I'll be really interested to see, these are artists without any following. These are not established artists. These are artists who have resources, their teams have resources, and they're just going to go out with someone no one's ever heard of before themselves and, and see what, what they can get going with advertising and, and marketing campaigns, just like any brand would do in the world, right? Only now in the world of music. Yeah. So um, I'll be very interested as well to see what happens. So I'm sort of what, what you said, Michael, you know, I'm, I'm open to anything that works, right? Yeah. If, but, but, but not only for the top tier. Right. Do you know that? That that's my question is where where's that group of uh, hundred and fifty thousand artists as um uh, Willard Odritz from Cobalt said, you know right now 5,000 artists you've never heard of are making a living off their music in the next couple of years 100,000 artists you've never heard of are going to make a living off their their streaming music the revenues. You know, where are those artists? Are, you know, how, how how can they be how can artists become those artists yeah. making a living off their streaming revenues. And right now I, I see very few of the artists we've worked with being able to make a living off their revenues.
1: Yeah. And, but you know, they never really did. Um, a lot of the artists, you know, I worked for universal for almost 20 years. I've seen a lot of artists that never were recouped. It's we, we always come back to this. First of all, you know, a stream is not worth a download, right? A download is not worth a CD. It's just not. They're different experiences. and uh, right. The live experience is a different thing. And Michael and I talk about this all the time. You know, the money you make from your streaming, I, you know, when you hear these people say, oh, well, it's a ripoff and they're screwing the artist. Well, you know, what does your deal say? What percentage do you get by going through your label? Do you? Is it a controlled composition? Did you write it? You know, as you kind of go down and things are split up, I know people who are making really good revenue on streaming. But all of them this is not the end all be all it's one part of a marketing plan are you doing sync licensing right nice. are you touring you nice. know are you selling merch there's so many areas now uh, and you brought this up at the beginning of the the talk is that you know that's a lot for an artist to have to manage their socials with youtube and you know the dsp's and their touring and writing and recording and there's so much more that artists need to do these days. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is that streaming is important, but it's not as important as I think a lot of people make it out to be. Um, There's a lot more to creating um, engagement, uh, growing your audience that, yeah, it's nice to have streams. But for example, um, we have a, a client that jumped out and got millions of streams from a release uh, that she did but she's not doing well on touring and uh, you know we had an a and r guy on the show a while back and he we asked him you know how do you sign artists and he said i look for that lineup around the block you know where people want to go see them play right that's the same way they did it when elvis was playing right you can you can kind of see that that and feel that energy well these playlists are great and you can generate revenue from them, but eventually you're going to be taken off of those. It is a meritocracy. It is based on the quality of the track, but it's also based on timing. Um, it's based on a lot of different factors. How do you manage when you're talking to your clients? That, they come to you and they say, well, you know, I, I just got to be on this, this playlist. That's, that's all I need, and, and I'm, I'm good to go.
2: I say, okay, then we're probably not the company for you because that's not anything we could ever promise or say to anybody. Our job, again, is to, um, as you just stated so eloquently, get them in place, get them in position so that help them understand what they can do themselves to get in position. Um, All the best practices we see, understand what the upcoming uh, voice activations are going to do to the industry and and you know i don't know that playlisting is the end all i agree just you know we had okay so we had uh, lp we had lps 33 rpm lps and then we had eight tracks and then we had cassettes and then we had cds yeah um, and we had mixtapes and now we have streaming and um, I, I heard this amazing um, interview this morning, Joe Smith, may he rest in peace, interviewing Ahmet Erdogan about mm-hmm. the beginning of the industry in the 1950s and how Elvis Presley came about. Why? Because of the radio that was going on in that time, which drove people to uh, from his recordings to his live shows, right? Right. Right. So, I don't know it was his live shows drove them to the recordings. In that case, it was the recordings driving to the live shows. And I see it both ways, and I would hope that there's something happening here. that's going. Co- yeah. I don't know what it is I, yet. I, I,
0: I think there definitely is something happening. But getting back to what we first started with, artists, managers, everybody needs to educate themselves on this. Yeah. And, and, and part of that is going back and looking at history. Meaning, okay, well, look at how radio evolved. Right. How did a radio station and radio playlists evolve? And, you know, read up and study about how payola exploded and how that was was squashed and how that, you know, kind of yeah. ruined everything and f- falsified what you were really hearing. Um, you know, look at how retail sales before SoundScan were were dealt with, <laughs> right. you know, it was like, oh yeah, sure, you're my number one this week. I That's of course right. I haven't sold anything, but you're my buddy, um, That's you know. Right. And then of course you've got MTV coming into the picture, and all right. you know, the classic song, "Video Killed the Radio Star." Right. So what did radio, MTV do right. to radio? And of course, looking back now, where is MTV and video airplay? It's not right. what it was in the '80s when it was everything. So streaming is going to evolve. It will. How? We don't know. And anybody who says they know
1: is lying to you? Well, we see hints at it, Michael, and and I know you and I talk about this a lot, and Andrea uh, mentioned it just a second ago. You know, with voice, you know, with all these – I can't say them because they're all sitting here on my desk, but, (laughs) you know, with with all these voice-operated smart speakers – you know then it becomes you know play chill music or play the my you know the best music from the year i graduated it becomes more about mood and lifestyle and less less about genre and of course it's moving into the car now and you know but that's not that's just that evolution that michael's referring to you know for a while ringtones were a big big I deal remember,
0: we, we all remember when ringtones were going to be the big factor in the music industry
1: and right. They were for a hot minute. Yeah, you know? for, for um, one minute.
0: For one minute. And I they think.
1: Were. You know, I think we thought downloads would be around forever too. And you know, right. it's it's crazy this evolution and the fact that the three of us in our lifetime have seen such an amazing, incredible journey and evolution on these on music. It's just astounding. And do we know what's coming up next? No, we don't. I I think smart speakers are maybe the next logical step. Um, I think AI has something to do with some of these things, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, if if I knew all this stuff, um, I'd be a billionaire, right? So, um, it's going to be interesting to, to definitely see how this evolves. Um, Andrea, before we wrap up, um, I want to, I want to talk to you just for a second about like, what kind of clients, um, are you, are you working with? Um, are they... Artists? Are they labels? Um, are what, what kind of clients are, are you are you looking for, or are you working with, and feel like you're most equipped to help?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a couple things about that. So the, an artist who really is just beginning, just starting out, releasing their first track, doesn't have a label or any kind of support. Those artists usually cannot commit the resources to doing what it takes to sustain an effort. It can happen, but really, I think our sweet spot is artists that already have something happening, but they need to be more in the space. They, The education, as you've both been saying, Mike, you especially, they need to be in the space. They need to understand what it is. So um, we work with um, do it yourself artists who do that, although I think that's a really tough road because, as you pointed out, they're writing, composing, and then they're doing their advertising right. and marketing. And,
1: that's
2: a and lot. it's a lot. Um, so artists that have teams, labels, managers, management teams, management companies. We work with a lot of artists on on labels and management company and with management company. Yeah. And and artists who. Um, already has social media just really strongly flaring you know just they're very strong and they've they've got a, a a solid base and they're touring and those artists can do really well because they've again it's not just playlisting
1: yeah, we, yeah. The, the,
2: the toughest thing we do is when an artist comes to us and there's nothing going on Yeah,
1: that's a challenge.
2: That's really a challenge. The more an artist has going on, the better. So I'd say it's sort of that mid-level artist who's got something going on, but they really need some help understanding what they should be doing. Right. So where where can people find you? If someone wants to reach out and
1: see if it's a good fit, how, how do they find you?
2: Yeah, so they can email me at Andrea at DPG, Digital Promotions Group, com. You can go to our, our website, DPG Worldwide. You can find us on socials. It's all under DPG Worldwide. So... Thanks for Excellent. the opportunity. To say that. Excellent. <laughs> I could talk with you guys all day. we'll definitely
1: have you on again. Sorry, Michael. <laughs> we'll definitely have you on again and continue. And there's so many different areas that we could talk about. Um, but well, I think this is kind of a, a new type of company. Um, what you're doing, yeah. you know, is I think there's going to be a lot more companies like that in the future because that's where the business is, and uh, that's where the music industry is going. <laughs>
2: Love talking to you guys today.
0: Thank you Thanks. so much for joining us. Thanks. Okay. All right, take care, guys. Take care. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye bye. Such a fun conversation, as we said. Uh, it's always fun to talk. For me, I, you know, I've always loved. There's a quote out there called "The only thing that's permanent is change." And yeah. I love change. I, you know, I it, it can be very scary. Of course, you can be unsure. But if you don't don't let it deter you um it's exciting to see what is that new feature oh my god they just re- you know I, we, we we've said this so many times especially about spotify is like you know they surprise us when they release some of these personalized algorithm driven playlists you know when discover weekly was first released when release radar was first released those were exciting changes, and yeah. I don't know if you saw it today, but they, you know, they've released everybody's year end 2019 playlist. I yeah. can't tell you how much I look forward to getting that email, I so I can go in yeah. there and see how much I've done. Is is it kind of meaningless? Yeah, it is kind of, but it
1: but it's fun.
0: It's, it's as, engaging. As, it's yeah, it's it engages fun. you. Yeah, it makes
1: me want to come back to the platform. I know that Apple's having their version this year. And, and as you know, I every week I, I put together a curated newsletter called Your Morning Coffee. So every week I'm scanning all of these stories, reading a lot of stories about what's going on in the industry, and what you said is spot on there's so much change and it's in little increments kind of every week there's a little twist here there's a little update here and then by the time you look back at the year you're like oh my gosh the the progress that's being made across the board whether it's with smart speakers or with sound in general with the you know the dolby atmos or whether it's with the digital service providers and there's all of these great things that are happening and one thing that you and I talk about a lot, and we'll be coming up on a show soon, is all the different tools that are available for folks to use to market their music. That's what's really exciting to me is, you know, sometimes you'll call me and go, hey, did you try a bot letter? Have you tried such and such? And learning these new platforms and new tools and and incorporating them into your marketing, that's the exciting part for me.
0: Yeah, it it, it, it definitely is for me as well. I mean, you just never know where that you know the one out of a 100 items comes across your desk and it connects and it works right. and people and love using it, it for years. and everybody's using it I, you know yeah. that that's exciting and i think the streaming world is filled with that you yeah. know the I, I, you know i'm still super excited about station head you know the fact mm-hmm. that station yeah, yeah. head is a ra- on not a only is it a radio station but every play that somebody listens to that track is a is a credited stream back to Spotify or Apple. They get,
1: paid on. They get yeah. paid
0: on that. So you're actually helping the artists by listening there.
1: That's right. Um, and it's your radio station. It's yours. If you want to do, you know, rock is not dead or here's the best power pop or here's a kiss thing, you can do whatever you want. You control it. But to your point, it's not, you know, something where no one's getting any benefit from it there's a direct benefit every single stream it's just another stream that they get paid on because it's drawing from yep, apple music yep. and spotify so so you, you know
0: That's if cool. if if nothing else what i i would always encourage everybody if you are in the music business on the on the management marketing promotion side or you're a band regardless of what you think about spotify apple music itunes what, you know whether you love them or hate them you have to be on top of what's going on, you have to be using them so you understand it, because let's, let's face it, streaming isn't going to go away. We're, we're, we're not going to go back to the good old days of selling vinyl and making a fortune off of it. That's not happening. So accept it, learn what you can from it, and stay on top of it. Absolutely. All right. So um, once again, lots of love to all of our sponsors, Bands in Town, Hype Bot. Um, Thanks, Bruce. Yep. Thank you for everything you guys do. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit that little red you that YouTube subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you can head over to iTunes, leave us a review and a rating. It means a lot. It helps us Appreciate as it. well. It's very well appreciated. That's it. We're out of here. We'll see you next week.